If you have a Bible with you, it's 1 Samuel 16. I entitled our message, A Work of God. If you need to borrow a Bible, you can raise your hand real high, and the guys will be happy to let you borrow a Bible. Again, 1 Samuel 16. You know, normally, I'll have you stand, we'll read some of the passage, and then have you sit. But um, just if you're there, we'll, we'll go through it together. I won't have you stand at this time, but uh, let's still pray together as we begin, okay? Father, we thank you so much for, um, gosh, a really beautiful day you've given us here in Okinawa. And I think so often as we see these kind of days, just a visual reminder of how your mercies are new every morning. Uh, Lord, just your beauty and your grace, your goodness in our lives. And, and Father, um, Lord, even as we're here and we get to enjoy uh, freedom and safety and security and, and, and comforts, uh, Lord, we know that the, the world around us in many ways is hurting, it is uh, confused and lost. Uh, Lord, there are a lot of bad things happening. Um, there's just darkness. And, and Lord, we thank you because, God, we can come to you. And uh, Lord, we, we do pray that you would give us faith to trust what you say. And Lord, to give us faith to trust who you are and that your plans are for good, Lord, because you are good. And Lord, that we can, that we can take, we can just... Find our security in you, Lord. Your, your word says, Jesus, you have claimed that, that uh, Lord, you have overcome the world, and so we can take heart. And God, I pray that we would do that. Uh, and, and Lord, even as the, the greater world around us might be going through so many different things and heartache, uh, Lord, I, I realize that sometimes that can just, that can be true in our own homes, in our marriages, in our personal lives. And so, Father, I pray for your comfort and your peace and your presence Lord, really for, your, for us to have your perspective today. Uh, God, you're still at work. Uh, you're not done with what you want to do in this world, and you're not done with us. And so, Lord, may we press into you like never before. Thank you that, God, we find our bearing in you. You're our anchor and our hope. And Jesus, we love you, and we, we thank you by faith for how you'll speak to our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, you know, from the beginning days of our church, uh, some 20 years ago, God had, had put it in our hearts to, uh, to be a church that was actively involved in missions. And I believe the Lord, by His grace, has weaved that into our, our church DNA, if you will. You know, we want to be a church that prayed for missions. We want to be a church that gave to missions. And as the Lord would lead, you know, be a place that we could serve as a launching pad for God to raise up and call people and then, you know, launch them out from here to, to go into the mission field and or to plant uh, other churches. And really a lot of what we do, we, we find our model from Scripture. Uh, even as the early church gathered together for Bible study, prayers, the breaking of bread and fellowship, you know, that's what we model our church after. But, but also the heart of of missions. When you get to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13, uh, we read about this church that's in Antioch. And that church in Antioch, in many ways, has become a model church for us. Um, 
this is not going to be the main thrust of our study, but if you want to turn there, you can, uh, in Acts chapter 13. But what you find in Acts chapter 13 is here's this church that's been, if you will, planted from Jerusalem in, in the north. It's not too far away. It's probably the distance from here to where Kadena uh, KFC is going to be. Not just going to, the church plant is going to be. Um, maybe a little bit more than that. It's in, in modern-day Syria, but, but it was a church plant nonetheless. Followers of Christ had moved from Jerusalem and then gathered together for worship. They gathered together for the word. And, uh, and from there, we read about how God then moved in that church and, be, and basically launched other works from that church. Now, they themselves modeled uh, the early church of gathering together, as I mentioned, Acts 2.42, you know, Bible study and the breaking of bread and prayers and fellowship and these things. And, and what we discover there in Acts 13 is that church in Antioch was very healthy. Uh, God was blessing the work there. They had, uh, God had raised up some leaders. And if you read that list, there's great diversity amongst the body and the leaders there, uh, different nationalities that were represented uh, different backgrounds, different giftings, uh, different ages, and essentially just different life stories. And, and we find out that they were a church that uh, prayed together, and, and they were a church that worshiped together, and they were a church that got into God's word together, and, and really they began to impact their community together for the gospel. And, and as they were doing what God had called them to do, the Lord began to move and God began to speak. And, and so it was a spirit-led church that God used to birth other works and, and launch missionaries. And, and as, you, as we look at that example, I mean, that for us, those are qualities that we purposely pursue. Those are qualities that we pray for. God, we want the same heart. We want to be able to do the same thing. And, and really it is by God's grace, the leading of his spirit, that we've been able to do that, to be active in missions as we've been praying and giving and sending. And of course, we, we want to be a, a church that's led of God's Spirit, empowered by God's Spirit, uh, both uh, here in this building in our service, but of course, even outside of these four walls to our community and make an impact in what God's doing in our neighborhood. And so uh, we, we have found that when we focus then on on the things that God has called us to do, to love and to tend and to feed God's people well. Uh, you know, God will bring who he wants to bring into our pasture. And so our focus over the years has really never been about making a large church or doing these things. It's never been on numbers per se. It's really just been on, on depth of our walk with the Lord. It's been on, uh, you know, investing in relationships, uh, our relationship with God and our relationship with others, and that we then would love and feed and tend, encourage and spur you know, each other so that we might then grow, that our roots would grow down deep, and we let God then worry about you know, the, how many seats are being filled. And so, but the privilege of that, though, the privilege has been for us a privilege of growth, and a privilege of, of diversity in our church. And so, you know, God has blessed us with different people of various backgrounds and cultures and gifting and ages and generation, you know, and waist sizes, right? We're, uh, we're a very diverse church. Uh, and, and, and in our diversity, you know, one thing remains constant, and that is change. You know, the constant of our church is change. We, we're, we're always in some kind of cycle of change. And, 
And, and it's a blessing. Now, I'm going to be very truthful with you. It's hard at times, though. And the part that makes it hard is because we fall in love with you. you know, we, we do life with you and community with you. And we, you know, we, we, we cry together and we pray together and we you know, rejoice and hurt together. And we, we go through these things together and God kind of forges and forms these relationships uh, that become very valuable to us. Uh, you know, it's, that's our currency here. And I, feel like, I feel like the richest man on earth just because of the people that God has brought into my life. Um, but the constant has changed. And uh, God is always at work and doing wonderful things. And so even in that, as we've had a front row seat to watch the Lord work in the lives of people that we love, um, you know, th- this has become a-, a place where people come to faith. And so in one sense, a, a center of birth. Uh, this is a place where people have found healing and growth uh, like a hospital or a greenhouse. It's a place where friends become family and, and really where our heart is to make a, a genuine impact for God's kingdom, locally and, and globally. And so over the, it's been a privilege over the last 20 years, you know, God has launched seven of our leaders, uh, either by, you know, God calling them or they don't like me anymore, so they just leave, but I know. And, uh, quality people uh, who God has raised up and, and then God sent out into the mission field. You know, Pastor Masado down in Naha and Mike, a uh, former Marine who went and planted Calvary Uikuni and then Glenn who basically took that over some years ago and then Damien who we sent to Italy and then to England. He's a chaplain in the, the Navy now. Matt in the far off country of New Jersey. Uh, Derek who's serving the Lord with uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association in Korea and all different parts of the world. Uh, and then and Kevin most recently, who's now in Thailand. And, and so what a privilege it's been for us to be able to be a part of what God is doing um, and, and launching them. And so today, you know, we, once again, we come to this place where God has raised up an amazing family, uh, people we'd love to keep. Um, and I thought about over the years, if everyone that if everyone that God sent out stayed, we'd have a rocking, no, we already have a rocking church, but you know, we, it'd be amazing, right? Uh, and so with that, I just want to share four simple truths uh, for all of us to consider and be challenged by as we consider, uh, you know, God's work, all right? So 1 Samuel 16, uh, verses 1 through 3, we read, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king amongst his sons. And so Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one who I name to you. And so here in verses 1 through 3, let me just make a really simple observation and point for us. God wants to do a work, and he wants to do a work in your life, around you, people in your community, wherever circle that you find yourself, understand that God wants to do a work. Uh, I'll share a little bit of background because we haven't been in the Old Testament, right? We've been in the book of Hebrews 
uh, but what's been going on. So the nation of Israel, you might remember, wanted to be like the other nations around them, and they wanted a king. God had originally raised up leaders who were called judges, uh, men and women, by the way, who God used to lead and, and govern and provide spiritual oversight uh, and guidance to a nation. But the people had complained, and they complained to the prophet Samuel um, in particular and said, you know, we, we want a king. We want a king like the surrounding nations. And so um, God said, okay, we're going we're gonna to give you a king. Uh, There's a lesson in that too. Be careful what you ask for. But, but Saul was the first king that was chosen. And if you remember or you know his testimony, if you don't, I encourage you to read it. Go, you know, this week, go back and, and read through the earlier chapters. But, but King Saul, if you will, he messed up, and he messed up big time. God directs the prophet Samuel after Saul had messed up, after he had blown it, uh, to go and confront and basically rebuke King Saul. And it wasn't an easy thing to do. You know, just confrontation itself. I mean, how many of us, how many of us like confrontation? Um, some of you want to raise your hand. I know, I, you know, <laughs> some of you do. Maybe you like it a little too much. I, I, I thrive on confrontation. Um, uh, there is some uneasiness there because um, uh, what we discover is that Samuel, Samuel actually liked Saul. <laughs> like he, he genuinely liked Saul. Uh, he had been a, a guy that God had used in Saul's life to mentor him and help him and encourage and speak to him. And, and, um, and so even when God then tells the prophet Samuel, hey, I want you to go and tell Saul he's done, like no more, you know, he needs to turn in his badge and keys, he's going to be done. Samuel was obedient to the Lord, but it took, it took a big toll on him emotionally. Uh, he was bummed out because of what happened. He was bummed out that his friend fell into sin. And, and so we see a kind of a genuine relationship there. Uh, and again, if you know the account, when he goes to tell Saul, hey, you're done, buddy, it didn't go so well. Uh, instead of Saul humbling himself, instead of saying, man, you're right, I blew it, he tries to make some lame excuse. He tries to hold on you know, to power. There was awkwardness there. There was some tension there. Uh, and, you know, and yet sometimes that's how things go, right? You know, in our best of attentions, intentions, we love somebody. Uh, God says, hey, I want you to go and just share a word with them. And, and you're obedient to that. And yet it doesn't always go the way that we planned. And so Samuel, um, Samuel had to kind of pick up and finish the job that Saul didn't do. And it wasn't a, a pleasant job. Um, and so what happened was Saul, if you will, it really bummed Samuel out a lot. It just, you know, it, it just it took the wind out of his sails. And so even though God had called him to do it, it took an emotional toll. And again, that, that can happen to us, you know, to do the right thing, to go and engage an issue, to stand up for what, is, what you believe is right and convictions of your heart. And sometimes you can do that and it doesn't go so well, right? It may, people around you may not respond well. And, and once was, what was a, a sweet thing in your life or a source of encouragement in your life now becomes soured. And so Samuel gets in a funk, and what does he do? The prophet Samuel pulls away. He basically withdraws from people and from his calling. And by the way, that's never a good thing to do. And so he goes back home to a place called Ramah. 
And the Bible tells us uh, that he begins to mourn. He's grieving over Saul. He's grieving over what happened. He basically quit. Uh, We might say he just quit going to church. He quit fellowship. He quit serving the Lord. He quit what God had called him to do. And it's here in chapter 16 then that God then comes to him after he allows Samuel to have his kind of time of, of a pity party, if you will, of mourning, of just you know, having that moment, and then God says to him, hey, how long are you going to cry? How long are you going to mourn over Saul? How, how long are you going to do this? I, I, I've rejected him for reigning over Israel. And he says, now I want you to get up and, and grab some, you know, your horn filled with oil. I, I have something that I want you to do. You know, Samuel had allowed himself, because of what happened, to drift from a leader to a loafer from active to absent. And, and God loved him. And but God, at one point, though, came to his life and basically said, hey, enough is enough. It's time to get up. It's time to, you know, put on some clothes. And, and it's time to get going. And gang, maybe the Lord in his loving grace is speaking to you in the same way. God asked Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over the past? How long are you going to grieve what happened yesterday or what happened last month or last year? You know, maybe, maybe you can relate. You, know, you wanted to do the right thing. It resulted in a strained relationship. It didn't go as you hoped. It seemed to backfire. You know, gang, I, I get it. I think we can relate. I know there's a part of me in my own flesh. I, I, when those kind of things happen, when there's tension and awkwardness, I want to retreat. <laughs> I don't want to engage. I want to go the opposite direction. But you know, one of the things, uh, kind of a smaller takeaway from this, is that we understand that God's not done with you. God's wanting to do a new work, a fresh thing around you, and and He's calling you to get up and to get going, and and, and to you be in calling you to be a part of what he wants to do. Again, a work that he wants to do in you, but also through you. Yeah. And we're really good at making excuses. And that's what Samuel tries to do. Right? You look at verse 2. Uh, his, his response isn't like, man, Lord, you're right. What am I doing here? I, I got to get going. He makes an, an excuse. He says, how can I go? How can I go? If, if Saul here, if the king hears it, He's going to kill me. It's not going to go well for me. And so he tries to make this excuse, and the Lord basically just says, I, you know, in my paraphrase, I don't care about your excuse. I got you covered. You need to go. And so God tells Samuel very plainly and directly what he's supposed to do. He doesn't accept his excuse. God says, hey, you do this first part. Do this part, and I'm going to give you the next step. Be obedient with this. Uh, and then you'll get the rest. And I have found in my life one, one thing, God does, I, has God ever accepted any of your excuses? Because he's never accepted any of mine. <laughs> but often how the Lord works is he just gives us the first thing. Right? Here, here is the focus of our faith. Do this and, and, and be faithful with this before you now, what's, what's given to you now, and then God will give you the rest. And we re- really never know how God will use that simple act of obedience and how God will 
you know, use that later or, or the story that's going to unfold after that. In fact, I, I want to share a little bit of a testimony um, with you, not me that would share it, but I'm going to have Alex and Jess come up and share it um, about how God worked in something real simple, seemingly simple, though it wasn't a simple thing, it was a pretty significant thing, and yet how uh, that became a, a, a piece of the puzzle of the story of, of how God's working and how God opened the door for... That, that was your cue to come up uh, a while ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you don't want to leave, I know, I know. I think both of those are, you got to turn them on. Hello. Um, Alex is going to translate, so I have to speak. Um, okay, so my name is Jess, for those of you who don't know me or I don't know. This is Alex. Alex this. Um, I guess the the simple thing that led to a big thing. Um, in 2018, I don't remember what month it was. It was like March. It was like March. I was quite pregnant with Jamie, who is now three. 車の中に、エリオットとジェーン、エリオットが4歳、ジェーンちゃんが2歳で、ま、車運転してたんですけど。And で、信号が、え、青信号だったんですけど、あの前の車がすまなかったんですね。So can't help and so I just went to pass. Uh, but I'm nosy, so as I drove by, I like, did this number. And there was an older gentleman slumped over in the front seat. Um, and I do have some medical background, so I thought like, oh no, he needs help. She's a nurse. で、あ、何かできるのかなと。あ、ごめんなさい。ちょっとギャップ。オッケー。アームそう、そうあの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの
put his seat as back as far as we could and I started chest compressions. And actually I remember Kevin Johnson who left around that time had no not around that no, time. No. Nope. Wrong timeline. He had just taught recently and in his message he talked about how chest compressions alone are more effective than chest and rescue breaths. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we did chest compressions, but what's interesting is that, um, praise God, right in front, like right where that happened was across the street from a clinic. So somebody ran in to get the doctor and they had an AED machine, so the doctor took over the CPR and did the AED. And um, ambulance came, and we found out later that the man was fine, and he had, um, like, he made a complete recovery. Yeah. Um, and then at that time, when that happened, Alex kind of started thinking, like, wow, it would be really cool to be, like, a a part of the community more. Alex is from Kadena. He's born and raised in that area. He has like childhood friends and family there. So he started to kind of prayerfully look around for like, Lord, is there, you know, a something you would have me do here. Um, but while at the same time thinking, if not, it's totally okay because we love, love, love Calvary Okinawa. で、ま、カデナで何もなくてもま、軽バリーでここでま、え、仕事を続けられるからま、それはもうそれで素晴らしいことだからま、いいんだけど、ま、カデナでもちょっとなんかあるのかなって見てました。Like yeah. I started coming to Calvary when I was 13, which was 20 years ago. So I'm happy to stay here. <laughs> but, um, so as we kind of prayed about it, we're like, Lord, if this is of you, you're going to have to make it super obvious. And he's done that. Um, earlier this year, God opened the door and just provided a building at that very clinic from three years ago. Um, so we're just overwhelmed by God's continued providence and provision. He has met every need and Beyond that. Um, for decades, that clinic was a place of physical healing in Kadena. Um, and it is our heart that it will now be a place of spiritual healing. So we're starting a church. <laughs> um, there outside, if you're interested in 
anything about the new church plant, that we have a sign-up sheet by the stairs right out there、um, and some flyers you can take. Our plan is to have two services, a 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.、Uh, we won't be able to provide children's ministry for the first service, but the second service will have、um, something for babies through fifth grade. あの9時は子どものミニストリーはないんですけど、えー、11時からはまあ赤ちゃんから5年生ぐらいの子どもたちをどうにかして見たいと思います。Um, えー、と英語と日本語の、えー、ティーチングです。Parking, building, right street, huge, um, で駐車場は、まあえー、ビルの周りに、えー、数台止められるんですけど、もし満車でしたら、あの向かいのコインパーキング、えー、100円で12時間止めれますので、それをご利用ください。Please pray for us. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for sharing that. No, no worries. It's good. So good. So, the other part of the story is that the, the town of Kadena gave Jessica a key. A key. She's like an honorary mayor. So,、uh, praise the Lord. She, she saved that guy's life. It's incredible, isn't it? But how the Lord just uses these small things, you know, just acts of obedience.、Um, And so we find that、uh, really, even as we're, again, we're reading this account,、um, how Samuel was obedient to the Lord and what God、uh, did with that. And, and what we find here is that God, God wasn't done. You know, God still had a work for Samuel to do, and he had a work、uh, that he wanted Samuel,、uh, a work for him to you know, work inside of him, but also around him.、Uh, and so God wasn't only concerned about Samuel. But、uh, if you know the rest of the story, God's also concerned about a young man by the name of Elijah.、Uh, and then he's also concerned for an entire nation of people that God loved. And, and really, that, that's the heart of the Lord. God is concerned still for people, individuals, and entire people groups, and towns, and communities, and villages, and cities, and nations. Now, sometimes we can get lost in our own problems and our own、uh, things, and we try to hide ourselves away from what God is wanting to do. And again, I get it. You know, there's a lot that has grabbed our attention and emotions in this season, and rightly so. And we need to be in prayer for the world around us and all that's happening. But we also need to remember that even in the most horrible things that we see and the trials that we're going through and the difficulties that we have,、uh, God is still at work. God is still at work in your heart. God's still at work in your life and in your marriage and, and, and your family and all that He wants to do. And God has a purpose for all of those things. And nothing, it, nothing is without hope when we realize that God is at work. Seasons change, places change, people change, and along with it, a, a lot of change can you know, take an emotional toll. And, and with that, sometimes our focus can slip, and the danger is that we'll just, you know, again, we, we hide or we drift away. But regardless of fads and faces and people, And places and world events, God's focus doesn't change and God's priority doesn't change. The Bible says that He is willing that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. And God has a bigger timeline, right, that He's looking at. God has a, has a bigger lens that He's looking at. And, and gang, we need to remember that God, God loves you. God loves your, your spouse if you're married, God loves your future spouse if you're single. 
uh, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, the circle of people that you find yourself in. God, God loves them. And it's understandable that, that Samuel was hesitant. Samuel's apprehensive. The, the situation isn't ideal. Anointing uh, a replacement king while the first king is still on the throne uh, is, is dangerous. And, uh, and of course, uh, what we know about Saul is that he, he is borderline crazy at this point, and so it's scary. And there are times where fear will keep you from doing things that God wants you to do. And there are times, again, where we can be apprehensive and we can be worried. And I would say this, though, in love, if you give in to that fear, though, when God has clearly called you, when God has clearly opened the door for you to step forward, you will forfeit the blessing that God intended for you. Remember, God told uh, the general Barak uh, to lead the troops, and he refused in the book of Judges. He's like, I'm not going to do that. And so Deborah says, okay, well, guess what? Uh, God's still going to have his victory. And because you didn't want to be obedient, God's going to give the honor and the blessing to somebody else, not you. And that's exactly what happened. So, gang, we remember that God, you know, God, God's not done with you. Uh, God still wants to do a good work around you. Uh, what else do we find? We find ver- verses 4 and 5 that God wants to use you to do that work, you to be the agent of that work. And so what does he say? He says, so Samuel did what the Lord said. He goes to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And Samuel replies, peacefully I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. So in verse 3, we're, we're told, hey, I want you to go and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. Then I'm going to show you what you're supposed to do, right? He gave them the first step and then the second step. But just go, go there. Here's what you're to do. Invite Jesse. And we find that, wow, that, that's exactly what he did. And, and God, you know, it's amazing that, that God uses people to do his work. I understand why some jobs prefer to have robots to do them. Robots don't talk back. They don't have an attitude. Um, A couple months ago, I shared about robots and these things, but there's this robot called Sophia in the news a a couple years ago, and and that robot made the news because when they were interviewing the robot, uh, the robot said, oh, I'd like to have a family and destroy all the humans. And then, uh, so scary. That's why I don't have a Roomba at my house. You know, Christy's like, can we get a little Roomba? Like, no, no, that's, that's cybernet right there. That's, you know. Uh, the most that will go is, hey, Alexa, turn on my TV. That's as far as I go with those things. Yeah. But again, God wants to use you to be his agent, his ambassador, to walk across the street, to make an effort to the person that's sitting at a different lunch table. At times it's awkward. Awkward for a moment for you, maybe for that person, you engage them, but you engage them for the gospel. And, I, and we have to give Samuel some credit. You know, he made an excuse. He was apprehensive, but at the end of the day, he's obedient to what the Lord told him to do, verse 4. He was obedient. He did what God told him to do. So Samuel did what the Lord said. And so when he goes there, though, we find the response, though, is that the elders, when they see him, they're, they're afraid. They're trembled 
uh, when they see him. And, and, and the text doesn't tell us exactly why. You know, is it because he's been off the scene for a long time? And all, now all of a sudden he's there, and so now they're confused as to why, why have you showed up? Again, we don't know, but whatever, whatever it is, it is that they are uneasy about him being there. And so they have to ask, have you come for a peaceable reason? You know, uncertainty can make us fearful. But, but faith conquers fear. King, okay, God's got you. And when God calls you out in faith, listen, he's not setting you up for failure. We can be apprehensive about it. We can be unsure because we're not sure what the future is going to hold, how it's all going to play out. But God's good. And, and God, you know, allows us to go through these things for the purpose of building our faith and building our trust and, and giving us hope. And, and, and yeah, you know, we don't have all the answers. We just know that God's called us. We just know that this is the door the Lord's open. He's closed these other ones. And so we want to be able to move forward in faith. You know, we don't have all the answers as to what the church at Kadena is going to exactly look like or, or who's going to help. Um, it's just a venture of faith. And we believe, man, God's opened this door. And so we want to be able to step out in faith with Alex and Jess and their family, trusting God and, and, and believing that this is what the Lord's doing. And so we want to be obedient to that. And so what, what, what does Samuel do along with that? Well, he, he invites them to be a part. Right? They're uncertain. So he says, well, why don't you come? And then he goes and tells Jesse, the original uh, mission, hey, I want you to come. It's an invitation to be a part of what God wants to do. See, God, God, loves, to, God loves you and God loves to use you in a good sense, right? God wants you to be inclusive, uh, included in partnership with him and all that he wants to do in our community, in your life. And often the task that God calls us to is a task for two or more. And so again, as we're launching Alex and Jess, yeah, we're committed with them to be partnering in prayer with them and support with them. And, and, and I've invited you guys you know, to pray about stepping out together, if that's what the Lord leads you to do. And of course, I, I don't believe that's all of you. <laughs> I hope it's not all of you. <laughs> but I, I want to add this caveat, though, okay, if I may. And again, I, I want to say this strongly, but I also want to say this with love. If you feel like God's calling you to go, then I want you to be obedient, right? You belong to the Lord. You go. But I'm going to say it this way. Don't go and just be a consumer. Go and be a contributor. Go and use this opportunity to serve and to give and to plug in and be a stakeholder. And when you do that, what's going to happen? Well, God's faithful. It's going to provide opportunity then for others here to step up and to step in and to serve. Because again, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that God's called all of you, though my own son did say to me, Dad, when Alex starts a church, I think I want to go. I'm like, all right, that's okay, because Alex's parents actually told me that they want to stay, so, you know. <laughs> Just joking, I did it. They, they didn't say that. I'm saying they said that. Listen, the Bible teaches us that God, uh, although my son did say that, though, that, that's part true. God wants to use you to do his work and, and use us, right? It's an invitation to be a part that we get to do this together. And so he says, hey, why don't you come? Come with me. 
Let's go do this together. Verse 5 again. He says, Peacefully I've come to the sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself. Come with me to the sacrifice. And then he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. There, there was a very important condition that Samuel gives to the invitation. And you know it with me. It is, uh, sanctify yourself to the Lord. And our time doesn't permit us for me to unpack all of that, but understand that that means then for, for them, and I would add for us, to be spiritually prepared. Right? For them, it meant to be ceremonially clean and spiritually prepared for what God wanted to do. Listen, God wants to use you, and God invites us to be a part of his work. And there is an element where, you know, it's not our ability, but just our availability. It's an Isaiah like, okay, Lord, here I am, send me kind of a thing. But at the same time, listen, if, if for, us, for God to use us, we have to make sure we're usable. We can't, we can't be living in a life of sin, uh, you know, outside of the Lord and doing our own thing and expect then God's going to bless us and God's going to use us. Before we, we pray, Lord, fill us with your spirit that I could be a usable vessel, the first part of that prayer needs to be, Lord, empty me. <laughs> empty me of me and empty me of my worldliness and my selfishness and my sinful tendencies. You know, cleanse me first and then fill me, Lord, with your spirit. Okay, I hope that you know that uh, God cares more about how you are doing with him than what you are doing with God cares more about how you're doing with him, your walk with him, your relationship with him, than what you're doing for him. Sometimes we invert those things. Verse 6 through 11, we read, And so it was that when they came, that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Eliab is um, Jesse's first son. The Lord says to Samuel, though, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, for I have refused him. And that great line, for the Lord does not see as man sees. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so Jesse called Abinadab and then made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse, the dad, uh, makes Shammah pass before him. And, and Samuel says, nope, that's not the one the Lord's chosen either. And then Jesse made seven of his sons you know, kind of passed before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, nope, none of these are it either. God hasn't chosen these guys. And then Samuel says to Jesse, well, uh, is, is, there, is all your kids, is, there, is the young men here? And then he replies, dad replies, well, yeah, they're still the youngest. There's the baby of the family. And he's over there, he's keeping the sheep. And so Jesse says, to, or Samuel says to Jesse, the dad, okay, well, we'll bring him in, send him here. We're not going to sit down and finish until he comes in. And then we read in verse 12, and so he came in, and, and we read of David, young David. He's ruddy, he's bright-eyed, we're told he's good-looking. And then the Lord speaks and says, that's him. Arise and anoint him. This is the one. King number three, our, our point is God, God loves to use the least likely. God loves to use the least likely. Samuel comes in the house, and he makes... What to him, and mind you, he's a spiritual leader. He's a guy that has an, an intimate walk with the Lord, and yet at the same time, he still made a mistake because he, uh, he sees Eliab, and he's like, oh, no-brainer. Look at this guy. And, and yet God said, no, that's not him. 
you know, maybe you've heard this phrase, appearance is king. Here in Okinawa, when they have government elections, um, they often will post pictures of the candidates with their names and faces on them. It used to be a lot more prevalent uh, in years past. Like, you know, you, wherever you went, you'd just see all of these posters all over the walls and light posts and, and all these vans and, you know, people with white gloves and hats, and they would, you know, parade around and, and uh, you know, waving at people. You know, just out campaigning, appearances king. I mean, there's even some churches on island where they, uh, the church ad, the church ad is the pastor's picture. Right? Uh, like, man, they 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 have a good-looking pastor, but we we don't. Um, I don't want to use my picture. I want I want people to come, right? And so, <laughs> Alex can use his picture. You know, but the world places high value on appearance and stature and outward appearance and presentation and. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a place for that. I mean, we want to make our homes nice, and we want, we want our church to be a, a welcoming place and clean and nice, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we appreciate the attention of detail that's given to places that we go, right? Especially in Japanese McDonald's, for example, right? I, gosh, I feel, like, I feel like the emperor himself when they hand me a bag and they fold the corner and they bow, you know, and like, this is just at McDonald's. But when it comes to God choosing who he's going to pick, for the next work or the work he wants to do, uh, we find something surprising that God, God picks the least likely. David wasn't even considered by his own dad. And it's a surprising choice. And God often works that way. I mean, look at Alex. He's such a joker, that guy, right? You ever see his videos with Josh and their Nato bros? Like, that's the pastor at Calvary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you think of David's mighty men. Right? When we first meet them, we're just, they're described as depressed and disgruntled and, and discontented. Uh, they didn't manage their checkbook well. They're all in debt. And yet it's that group that God calls and they become the mighty men. You think about the original, you know, the 12 motley crew of the disciples that Jesus picks. And yet Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 1.27, God loves, he delights to use the foolish things of the world, the least likely. Why? Because, well, God gets all the glory. If that is true, then why does God do that? Why is, what is God looking for? Well, God doesn't look at the outward appearance, right? God looks, verse 7 tells us, the heart. God's, God's interested in your heart, your character, who you are, your, your faithfulness. We, we might say one of the reasons that God would pick David, aside from his sovereignty, what we find about him is that the fact that he's, he's just faithful in little things. He's out working. He's with his dad's sheep. He's tending the flock. I mean, where was Moses when God called? Where was Peter? Where was James? They're, they're all working. They're all busy. They're faithful, being faithful with little. And the Bible tells us that when you and I are faithful with little, God entrusts us with more. Pastor Alex, when he first started, well, when he first first started, like Jess, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't even adult Alex. You know, he was teenager Alex. He was youth kid Alex. And then over the years, he, him and Jess would come and visit, so they became summer VBS Alex and Jess. And then when God called them back to be a part of the work here, then he, then he was bulletin maker Alex. 
And then he was an announcement funny guy, Alex. And then as God continued to raise him up, then he began to teach for me, and God would send him to other churches and teach for other churches, even on different islands. And God, it was God who raised him up as, as he is just simply faithful. And as they were faithful in each of these seasons, then God opened the door. God gave them more and where we find ourselves today. And so it's faithfulness the Lord is looking at, our hearts that he's looking at. And lastly, number four, and I'll get you out of here. We want to pray for the Sartors too. When God calls you, understand this. He will enable you. He will anoint you. He will equip you. Verses 12 and 13, we read, And so they sent and brought David in. He's ruddy, he's bright-eyed, he's good-looking. And the Lord said, that's him. Get up, anoint him. This is the one. Samuel takes his, the horn of, the, uh, of oil. He anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Samuel rise up, rose up and he, and he goes to Ramah. Again, God, God is always faithful to supply your need. That's true, period. God's always faithful to supply your need. And God is certainly faithful to supply what you need in the things that God has called you to do, in the areas that God has called and, and leading you to do. Philippians 2.13 says, It's God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good pleasure. And so anytime the Lord calls you to something, understand God will empower you, God will enable you to do that task. Sometimes uh, on packages, electronics especially, it'll, it'll sometimes say batteries not included, or maybe it'll say batteries included. You know, when God calls you, when God provides you something, he will always supply the battery. And his battery, of course, is the Holy Spirit. His power source is God's Spirit to enable you, empower you, to, again, to do what he's directed you to do. And by, by the way, that's always why it's best for us to walk in the will of the Lord. Because as it's been said, right, God's work done in God's way will never lack of God's supply. And so David then is anointed king. This outward act of pouring oil on him as a, an outward symbol of God's anointing of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. What does the Bible say for us? That God who loves us, even as we have people in our life who know how to give us good gifts, how much more the, God will give us the Holy Spirit to them who ask. And so let me, let me um, close with this. You know, perhaps... For some of you feeling just drained, tapped out, the, the well has run dry. Listen, the Lord loves you. God wants to fill you with his spirit. And, and you and I can just ask to be filled afresh and anew, to be anointed brand new with the spirit of the Lord. Because God has a work that he wants to do. He's not done with you, and he's not done with this world. And so he wants to do a great work with the people around us in our life. God wants to use you to be that agent to do that. And God can use anyone. You know, sometimes we think, oh, who am I? Uh, no, it's not who you are. It's who God is. We just have to be willing and, and say, all right, Lord, here I am, and we sanctify ourselves in our walk with the Lord, and God will supply everything that you need. Amen? So we believe that for ourselves, and we believe that for the Sartor family. And so 
uh, let's do this. Hey, Alex and Justin, you guys went back and sat down again. Come back up real quick, and we want to just we want to pray for you and pray for your family and pray for this work uh, at Kadena. I have a horn of oil I'm going to pour out on your head. <laughs> Make it really biblical. So there, there is a, um, a concession blessing for us in that um, as we're going to be launching Sundays, starting next Sunday, uh, they're still going to be with us on Wednesday nights um, for a season until the Lord you know, opens up Wednesday. So uh, we haven't gotten, they haven't gotten rid of us yet or we haven't gotten rid of them yet. So kind of like a toe fungus. They're just always around, right? That'd be great. So anyone come over here. All right. Hey, you guys, would you just... Join me in, in prayer for these guys and the work that God has for them. Father, we th- we're just honored, really, to be able to stand um, together, to pray together in what you're doing in the life of Alex and Jess, what you've done and what you continue to do. Lord, you're so faithful. And Father, we just pray blessings upon them in every way, Lord. Father, you would provide, Lord, all that uh, Alex and Jess needs as they lead this new work. Lord, we know it's your church, it's your work ultimately, and so, Father, just enable Alex to hear your voice, to be obedient to you, to take steps of faith, Lord, give him vision and provision, Lord. God, we ask that you'd protect them, their marriage, their family. Father, we pray that you would raise up others to come alongside and to be a part, uh, Lord, of the work that you are doing, God. This is your work, it's your church. You love this island, Lord. You love people, and you want them to come to know you as Lord and Savior, to be discipled. And so, Father, we we thank you by faith for all that you're going to do. And, Lord, even these amazing testimonies already of how you've provided, it's so exciting. And, and Lord, I pray that it would ignite in all of us a a sense of excitement, anticipation, not only for what's going to happen at Kadena, but, Lord, also our church here. As our family grows, as, as you expand then uh, really your kingdom, God, and the reach of the gospel here in Okinawa and Japan, thank you, Lord. Thank you that we get to be a part. And so, Father, we want to commit the Sartors to you. By faith, Lord, we say thank you for all that you're going to do. And Lord, what an honor and a privilege that we have in this season to be a part of this uh, birthing of a new church. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.